Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We like to call it Statement Saturday, but I'm going to call it Sleepwalking Saturday. The number of top 10 teams that got punched in the face and did not survive this past weekend was incredible. We're going to dive into it a little bit more and talk about it. It's Rivalry Week this week. We're week 13 of college football. What's up, Trash Talkers? Welcome back to the College Football Roundtable. Or if you prefer, you could still call it Ring Knocker Radio, but we like to call it 2 O's and an NCO. I'm your host, Rob, out of Fayetteville. We've got Dano Ikebasa in Coastal Carolina and 11 and 0 Trigger Joe from the home of the big house. How's Still it going today, guys? And what games did you watch last weekend? Uh, I was at the Army game, as you know, and it was freaking awesome. Came home Sunday, you know, Sunday morning, kind of going through the results. I see that UCF lost the freaking squids. That's like a face palm. And then the Vols. Dropped it, dropped a game, you know, a thousand points at uh, South Carolina and Hendon Hooker tore his ACL. Like, oh. what a shame, man. It's like, it's fine. The Vols had a decent season and I am okay that they're not going to make the playoff. This is not an issue, but Hendon Hooker tearing his ACL, like, that's, that makes me want to just hang my head. That's horrible. Yeah, I think I think Hendon Hooker going down is is kind of indicative of like the tail end of Tennessee's season. You know what yeah, I mean? Like for it, sure. it's just like that is yeah. the visible symbol of like everything's going well, and then all of a sudden it's not. Yeah. Joe, how about you? Yeah, I I think that the true athletes out there, when you're watching a guy who plays uh, like Hendon Hooker and he gets hurt, it it really is sad. You know, it's like ah, dude, you know they're not gonna that's not gonna come back the same. But uh, you know one that no one's talking about, that if you're a Michigan fan, we got a big problem. Blake Corum hyperextended his knee last week and never came back in the game. Oof. And yeah. I saw him cutting on the sidelines, and it wasn't happening. As soon yeah, as he, he planted on the left to go right, he, he started limping, and he was done. So we got a problem there at Michigan. But, yeah, you hate to see an injury. I was uh, I was watching Michigan-Illinois, and what an incredibly intense defensive battle that was if you – like offense, you would have thought it was boring, but I'd say Michigan better wake up and start hitting these deep passes or they're in deep trouble this week because uh, they missed on a lot. So it was a frustrating game to watch, but Michigan pulled it out in the end, and uh, it was crazy to see one, two, three, and four all get all they could handle and have to really battle out wins because all four of the top four really got a game this week, and it was uh, it was good for football. It was good to see. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. So for me, I had the three TV set going this weekend, and uh, I watched the I watched the Army game, of course, and then, dude, TCU. All right, all right. Like, look, for the fact that those guys find a way to win. If you watch that ending sequence of that game, like all you need to watch is like the last forty five seconds, right? So they throw it down, they get to you know third, second or third down, and they're like, oh hey, let's run the football. <laughs> To the middle of the field with no timeouts, and you're like, "What are these guys doing?" And literally, like, there was no time for the there was no time for their kicker to get into his head because literally they had like five seconds left by the time the kicking team got set on the field, and then he kicks a field goal with no time left. And you're like, "All right, look, if you're not a TCU fan, then like you're missing out on some great football." But however, as a playoff committee person or a person that just likes exciting football contests. You can't keep these guys out of the playoff, regardless of how well, you know, Bama or LSU or even Clemson does just for the simple fact that like these dudes win games. And like, I would love to see these guys take it down to the wire because we know that their offense can score 50. So that gives them, you know, the ability to keep pace with Ohio State. They can win in close games. So that gives them the ability to, to play with Michigan. There's not a team in this uh, top four right now that TCU can't play with and they find a way to win somehow. So you have to play some tremendous defense or, you know, take Duggan out of the ball game for those guys to not have its opportunity to win. So like I'm, you know, 
singing the praises of TCU right now. And it was nice to see them, you know, slip past Baylor for once because usually Baylor is like their kryptonite towards the end of the season. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, the only thing that separated the Michigan game from the TCU game was 13 seconds. You know, went the same way. Michigan just had 13 seconds on when they kicked their field goal, but uh, they were about to go out with an L. And uh, you know, TCU, I'm, I'm telling you, if I'm a defensive coordinator, that Duggan scares me. The kid's a gamer, and it's like that kid on the playground. Like, dude, he always wins. He's so lucky, but it's like they always, you know what I mean? There's no yeah, luck there. That ain't luck. Well, one time is luck. Do, do it, you know, yeah. eleven times in a row, and it's something else. Yeah, like yeah, they just won't go. They you can't make them quit. And teams get tired. And these kids are human. And when mm-hmm. these kids keep fighting, there's a mental battle out there. And Colonel Rob knows it the best on the yeah. defensive line, where you know when the guy across from you wants to quit. Yeah, you and, can feel and, it out there. And I think and you, they make teams quit. Yeah, and I legitimately think like T- TCU is TCU is the you know the easiest way to 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 give uh, illustrate them. It's it's what Hoist Gracie used to say about you know fighting. Like everybody can fight on dry land, but if I drag you into deep water, it's going to change the change the calculus. And that's what TCU is able to do. Like they literally pay you until the last tick on the clock. And there's so many teams in college football that could learn that lesson of like, hey, the game's not over until it's over. But you also just keep playing because you never know when those breaks are going to happen. And TCU gets a lot of those breaks just because they just keep playing and they keep playing and they keep playing. But. All that being said, awesome. Well, let's move on to the top ten. Dano, what do you got? Uh, we still got Georgia at number one. Uh, they remain perfect at eleven and zero. They got Georgia Tech this week. Unfortunately, that's not much of a rivalry anymore. Rob has written in here that anything can happen, but anything ain't going to happen this week. At number two slash three, we've got Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, you know, one of these teams is going to make the the playoff, and the other one's going to have a respectable season. What can you say? Number four, TCU. Just talked about them quite a bit. They host Iowa State this weekend. Um, number five, so, uh, Southern California, ten and one. We'll see how they do against a very streaky Notre Dame team. I personally think they got an inside track on the playoff for once. I mean, I know everybody hates the Pac-12, but at a certain point, you got to take the winner of the Pac-12. Uh, number six, LSU at nine and two. I don't see how they get in. We'll see. Number seven, Clemson. Number eight, Bama. Number nine, Tennessee. Lost to South Carolina. Lost to Hendon Hooker. Like we said, I think that's it. And number ten, the Oregon Ducks. I mean, somebody's got to be tenth, and it sure ain't going to be UCF. So what can you do? Uh, rounding out the top twenty-five by conference, Pac-12 has six teams ranked six. SEC has just five. ACC has three. The American has three. Tulane, Cincy, and UCF. I don't know how the hell UCF is still in there after losing to Navy. Big 10 has three. Big 12 has three. Sunbelt has one. That's Coastal Carolina. Not sure when they're going to get their quarterback back, but they sure as hell need him. And finally, you've got the independent Notre Dame ranked at 13. Uh, Top 25 losses this week. Number six, Oregon. Number 11, Ole Miss. Number 12, UCLA. Number 16, NC State. Number 17, Tulane. Number 18, Texas. Number 20, UCF. Number 21, Illinois. Number 24, Kentucky. That was a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, and again, they said they called this statement Saturday, but like I said, I think it was sleepwalking. I mean, I've, I, it's rare that you see this many ranked mm-hmm. teams and unranked opponents chip off folks like that. And it was, it's pretty rough. I mean, like Oregon, who saw that one coming? Ole Miss, who saw that one coming? UCLA and U- USC, that was for the best team in the Pac-12, basically. You know, but Tulane and Texas, what is going on? And then, of course, the Navy game, and, and, and that was crazy. But what do you guys think? Who, who do you think is the most overrated team in the top ten? Are there any overrated teams in the top ten, or do you think it's about right? Uh, I don't I don't really believe in Oregon. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'd have to agree with that. I mean, it's it's not like they're a bad team, but they're nine and two, and I think everybody agrees that the Pac-12 is the weakest of the Power Five conferences. So, you know how how they're in there. I mean, that's that's I, I, North Carolina still only has one loss, correct? Yeah, I probably I'd probably would have put them at ten against Oregon right now on a neutral field. Notre Dame wins, and they're thirteenth. So I could flip flop those teams and be just fine with it. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, I mean, not too much, honestly. I at, after the top four, I kind of lose a little bit of focus you know what i'm saying because it's like yeah. i i know somebody's gonna sneak in there but man i honestly think usc has the best shot to uh win out and get in because they're about to play notre dame that's gonna be one hell of a football game yeah i, I, both I teams think teams are hot 
Yeah, I think that's that's going to be one of the 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 X factors of this weekend is deciding you know who's going to represent the, the Pac-12. I mean, US USC is solidly good, and and you know, if you're if you're an Oklahoma fan, you don't like how all of that stuff went down, you know, to USC. To be honest, because you know you lose your coach and your starting quarterback to a, a team that's way out of your conference that still has impacts because like obviously Oklahoma is nowhere near the team that they were, you know, last year. With the same, yeah, time. I'm not a fan of that coaches uh, leaving and taking like what uh, Norville did to Nevada when he left for Colorado State. I thought that was total BS, man. Yeah, he took the whole staff with him, and it's like, well, what's Colorado's or what's Nevada supposed to do? I mean, you know? that was addition by subtraction. I horrible. Nate, uh, Nevada's a good bit better than uh, Colorado State this year. They're, it's funny, isn't that karma? Yeah, it is. Colorado State failed. It's yeah. not. For, you can't just interchange cultures. That's what Michigan mm. did with Rich Rod. It doesn't work. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. there's there's something to be said about, yeah. you know, like the coaching I, I mean, dynamics. Can, that was kind of a closed-minded statement. I'm sorry, Colonel Rod. I didn't mean to cut you off. But I meant, like, overnight you can't do it. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. So I apologize. No, no, you're fine. And, and I, th- I think it, it merits the discussion. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, that's one of the negatives of the transfer portal that we're starting to see, right, is, like, these coaches leave and they take these players with them. And – like imagine the amount of recruiting that was put in and I get it. Lincoln Riley probably recruited Caleb Williams and all that stuff. I got that. But at some point, like you're taking the most talented player on the team. Cause he, like he was their team last year and clearly he's the team for USC this year. And, you know, changing an offensive scheme to a pro set or whatever that they're running over there in USC, like it helped, but it also leaves this big gaping hole and, Oklahoma's right. record shows it, you know, and that, and that's a bottom line. Oklahoma's record shows it moving on to service Academy football. We mentioned this earlier. And as much as I hate to say it, man, Navy showed up, they took the momentum that they had from the, from the North Carolina or North Carolina, the Notre Dame game and walked it right into central Florida and smacked around UCF, man. Like I could not believe it. And I'm watching this. It's like, there's no, there's no way that these guys are going to, they're going to edge them. And then it was like the game stayed close. And as yeah. long as the game is close, and again, it goes back to that strong belief in yourself and wanting to finish the game, you know, and if you're Navy, if you're close with a ranked team, you know, you could probably beat them. And they've done it before in the past with Notre Dame and other teams that were what much, much better quality programs than UCF. So it's easily could happen to UCF. And, and yeah. the graphic that I saw was, this is only the second time that Navy has gone into a ranked opponent's home stadium and won. So in the history of the program. So imagine wow. that. Like, yeah, that's a you pretty know, deep and crazy statistic. That's so it, it was I, unbelievable to see Navy close that gap with just heart. And that's what I love about the service academies. The last time I went to a Michigan game um, for the military thing was when they played Army and – that's how that's how the service academy bridges the gap in recruiting budget and talent and everything else. You can't make them quit, dude. It's it's just heart. They play with a different intensity, and that's why I told my buddy who's a Notre Dame fan. I said Navy will play like they're playing for their life, and Notre Dame might sleep on them a little bit. So watch out; it could be close. And sure enough, they did. But uh, it, dude, I'm, I mean, Navy should be proud of themselves. That was a hell of a football game they play. I, I gotta say, it's mm-hmm. it's crazy to me how much Navy suddenly looks like. Army did a couple of years ago and Army kind of looks like Navy did a couple of years ago. And I'm not making a qualitative judgment. I'm just saying like, it's all their guards. We talked about this a little bit on the other show, but you know, it's just, they're, they're getting physical push up the middle. They got that fullback going once Dabo, I think Fofana, I think that's his name. Yeah, once that kids get going, you are screwed. He's such a good player. I mean, I don't know that he's quite at the Brad Roberts level, but it's yeah, man, it's, it's all those, those midline plays suddenly for the mids. Pretty, pretty amazing that they just out physical UCF at the point of attack. Yeah. And, and the you fact gotta, that, and a gutsy, gutsy quarterback play with, with Ty Lavatai, you know, the kid's hurt, like he's injured and he's yeah. bringing it every week. And it's like, look, I'm army through and through to the bone. However, you know, give credit where credit is due. Like Navy is playing some good football and, and, Dan, I know you got some comments about their defense, but uh, the offense is, is stepping up like whereas they were only scoring three points or getting field goals they are actually getting touchdowns now. And that's been the difference in some of these wins. 
Well, you know, it's listen, they are, they, they're very, very good against the run. They have been all season. Um, They're really, their only vulnerability is down the field, like over the top and teams have been burning them all year. So if you can pick up that Navy blitz, like you can make some money there, but Notre Dame couldn't do it and UCF couldn't do it. So apparently it's harder than it looks. Yeah, no, you're Daniel. They made believers out of me. And uh, I was a naysayer before the Notre Dame game and, yeah, I won't. I won't say anything about Navy in a game that's a one-two score game, just because of that simple fact. They can stop the run, and uh, they would give a team like Michigan problems because Michigan hasn't been hitting the deep ball. And uh, yeah, when they take when they take the run away from a lot of teams, it's like they do not know what to do. And uh, some teams can beat them over the top, but Navy's Navy's for real. You know, they're, they're, it's who's surging in college football, and I think that I, I wouldn't think anybody'd want to play them right now because it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah, I think really what it boils down to is it's like it it's kind of like we always talk about it in the game. It's the halftime adjustments, but for the season, it's that midseason adjustment. So after week eight, it's like, what are the coaches doing differently that they didn't do the first eight weeks? Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe it's a, like if you're one of these top teams, it's maybe it's a new wrinkle. You know, maybe it's figuring out how to play with an injury or a key player that's out. But for the service academies in particular, it's like, hey, how do we make adjustments after the first half of the season? Do we add new plays? Do we put in new wrinkles? Do we do other things? And Navy's been able to do it. And again, both Navy and Air Force, and I say this all the time, I think Navy and Air Force are disadvantaged because they are in a conference. And so because they're in a conference, you know every year where those guys are going to fall into your schedule and you can prep for them as you're moving towards that game. Whereas like, hey, look, I'm a you know, Army's completely independent. Oh, crap, we got them on the schedule this year. You know, so then I have to practice differently to get ready for those guys. Hopefully I'll have a, a bye week in front of me to prepare for that running style of offense. Yeah, you got to blow the dust off uh, old playbook yeah. that you never use because Army's <laughs> offense is coming in. Um, they gave Michigan all kinds of problems when they played them. But, uh, yeah, big ups to Ty Lavatine, man. That's the story you can tell his grandkids. Like, yeah, I was hurt. I went out there anyways. We won. No big deal. <laughs> Yeah, and and I will tell you, senior senior night's been good for the other two academies. So Air Force eight three one twenty four to twelve and senior night. I think uh, this was the last home game before they go to remodel the stadium. So these guys are going to be playing in in Mile High Stadium next year, which is kind of cool. So it'll increase nice. capacity, but uh, you know, in the house that John Elway built, uh, <laughs> they may be able to to bring in some more people. And and like I said, I think Air Force is honestly when I when I think about the service academies, and this is just my spin, and like you guys can agree, disagree, send something nasty in the comments. I don't personally care, but uh, I legitimately think like Air Force is the flashier team because mm. they're 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 younger as an academy, you know. And what I would tell you is like if you really want to know the difference between. Army, Navy, and Air Force is look at their heroes, right? Army has legit heroes across many 200 years of service. Air Force, when you grow up and hit 100 years old, then you may have some heroes that are worth meriting. But like a lot of the folks that the Air Force talks about are fighter jets and fighter pilots, but they don't talk about like the other half, you know, like the the, the special operations dudes or the guys that are on the ground doing other things outside of fighting, the flying the pointy nose jet. So I think that's like for me, that's kind of the difference between those teams. I think Army and Navy at least are like the the blue collar guys. Like they come into work every day with their lunch pail and do some work. Whereas like the Air Force guys work up, you know, work at IT startup and uh, they're trying to make their next (laughs) their next hundred billion. They got better child. All right, all right, all right. I have to dissent. We are we are praising the academy that just put out the NASA uniforms for point zero one percent of their graduates. I mean, I understand it's more astronauts or whatever, but dude, it, that's they maybe get one one dude or one lady every three classes to go into NASA, and that's who we're celebrating. And this is the blue collar team. Come on, what are we doing here? <laughs> well, hey, hey, you know what? True, true statement. I will, I will say that. Like, like I'm talking about day to day. Like the yeah, uniform yeah, yeah. selection. That's a completely different thing. Like I think <laughs> I, I always <laughs> thought Navy's alternate uniforms suck. You know, and and again, it goes back to like at least at least Air Force and Army, and I think it's just a thing. I think it's just a deal with That's Navy. A Nike thing, yeah, yeah. I think it's the Nike thing that they have is is like they really they really explore, you know, the history 
of whatever organization that they're representing. Whereas Navy is like, Hey, what will look good on a poster, you know? And if that works for your folks, that works for your folks. But, but the, the bottom line is I legitimately think that, uh, you know, from a, from an Academy perspective, at least from a, a working angle, you know, Navy is a little bit more of Navy is closer to army than air force is. And I'll put a pin in that piece of the discussion right there. So army went, went, uh, one, uh, want to know this past week, the <laughs> solid team at UConn, right? So they put together one of their best performances of a season, uh, 34 to 17 on senior night at Mikey stadium. We deep dive that pretty, pretty, uh, thoroughly in the army football show. Uh, we actually had Jim Zapellis on. He's a, he's a, one of our, uh, go-to former army players to jump on. And so he, he had some really good commentary about it, but, uh, bottom line is I think Navy and, and army are on a collision course. Uh, it's probably not as a, a glamorous as it has been in previous years, but this is more like a mid two thousands army Navy contest when, when both of the teams are kind of, you know, right there on the verge of having great seasons and, and for army, like they literally had the ability to, to, to kind of pull it out and, and have a, you know, go 500, go to a bowl game. Like if they win their next two games, God forbid, like we're, we're dogging them out because they're not winning, but they still have a chance for the postseason in some capacity, you know, and, and, and very slim. Yeah. It, fact, it's strictly not, mathematically speaking. Yes. But mathematically speaking, they do have a chance anyway. Uh, I think we actually talked about this. And so I had a note in the, uh, in the outline to talk more about the surface academies, but I think we covered them pretty well uh, this time. And hey, I'm going to say it openly, a shout out to all the Navy fans that are listening to the College Football Roundtable. We don't want to beat you up too bad because we want you to stay. However, yeah. your uniforms look like back, you know, backsplash in somebody's fancy kitchen. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, that's the, and that's the nicest three minutes you'll ever get about Navy. All right. <laughs> I, I mean, and, and, and of course, like if like if we're out in the bar, we'll we'll, we'll buy you we'll buy you a drink. But uh, if you wake up in a strange place in, in a bathtub full of ice, it wasn't the drink that I gave you. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna move on to Joe's Blue Falcon of the Week. Joe, I, I mean, we sent the teaser out on the social, so if you're following us, you kind of know who it is. But uh, what do you got this week? You know, sometimes handing this thing out, is it, it's kind of like a father-to-son talk I want to have. Like, it's Drake May, okay? I get it. He's a freshman. You know, my first action as an underclassman was in the playoffs, returning a kick. I was the deep man. And broke my first tackle, and I was gone. And then I heard the dreaded word that no ball carrier wants to hear. Ball. I had fumbled. The other team recovered. We lost. I was the asshole. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse my language. So I understand having a game against Georgia Tech where you throw for half what you threw for the week before, zero TDs and one interception. I get it. But when you go 450 against Wake with three TDs, mm. 300 against Virginia, 390 against Pitt, 380 against Duke, and zero interceptions in all of those games, and then you come out and do this against Georgia Tech when you guys had a backdoor chance at the playoffs, I hate to say it, kid, you've had a great season, but this week you are the Blue Falcon. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so Blue Falcon, like I absolutely agree with you. You might be the made. quarterback sometimes. you got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> So Drake, Drake may absolutely did not show up and I, and, and you know, I, we were texting back and forth, but he's also suffering from like Nick cage disease, right? He's, he's suffering the incredible weight of massive talent. And exactly. so the sports, the, the sports writers have screwed that kid too. Right. So they've been writing how great he is talking about his production. Like, Oh, he's got the same numbers as CJ Stroud, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of praise being heaped on this young man, which is great because he's playing well, but then, to collapse like that. And it wasn't just him. It was a team collapse, you know? So yeah. he throws an interception, he gets sacked six times and you blow Oof. a 17 point lead and lose to a team that has no business legitimately being on the field with you. True. Like it's like, Hey guys, Truth. tune in this weekend and watch what Georgia does to Georgia tech. And that's probably what UNC should have done. But uh, again, both of those teams got caught slipping UNC and North Carolina state got caught slipping, looking ahead to this matchup for this week for the in-state rivalry rather than focusing on their opponent and it bit them. And having said that, cause I f almost feel bad and uh, please bleep out my cuss. Cause uh, I try to keep it professional, but uh, that's the price of being a rock star kid. 
Mm. Sorry, sometimes sometimes all those benefits of being the starting quarterback at a nine and one UNC team and getting treated like a god on campus, they come with a price. And uh, I, I think you got caught sleeping, like uh, Colonel Rob said. So, yeah, it comes with a price of being treated like a god because you're uh, the starting quarterback at a major football team. So, you know, it, it's uh, it is a price of that comes along with you know being being that famous. So. So unfortunately, he had to learn it before he could legally buy a beer. But it's also a blessing that he's in that position at that age. So, you know. Yeah, uh, very, very, very true. So let's move on to the games of the week. Guys, you missed it last night. There's Big Mac action if you didn't watch mm. it. So uh, you had uh, Ball State in Miami. Like everybody wants to play Ball State all of a sudden. Don't know why. But uh, definitely a lot of people are trying to get them on the schedule. Bowling Green at Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, both of those games, both of those games came on last night. So we're just going to move on to uh, a hey, Turkey Day matchups. Hey, Thanksgiving. Uh, there's more pro football on on Thursday, of course, because it's always that for those of you guys that are old enough to remember Leon Lett dropping the <laughs> the touchdown in that game many, 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 many moons ago. But uh, you've got the, the battle for Mississippi. So you got Mississippi State and Old Miss uh, is number 14. They're kicking at seven on uh, ESPN. I think that's going to be a good contest. Both of those teams are kind of in the same boat. This is like, you know, at least if you win your rivalry, you kind of salvage your season. And so Mm -hmm. I think these guys are both in that same position. Moving on to Friday. Again, you've got uh, Baylor and Texas. Again, that was a much more exciting contest at the first half of the season when both of those teams were doing pretty well. But those guys always play each other tough. Like if you have two teams in the same state, or even close to the same state that are playing, it it goes way deeper than just what's on TV. You know, you're talking about recruiting, you're talking about bragging rights, you've got brothers that probably played for opposite teams. It literally is civil war all over again. All right, so you got Tulane and Cincinnati. I think that's probably one of the best matchups in the in American conference. Uh, I'd love to yep. see, you know, those guys play. Uh, I mean, I think the shine came off the apple on Tennessee, but Tulane is or Tennessee, Cincinnati. But Tulane is having a great season this season, and this is probably going to be the pinnacle of American Conference football play. uh, Mike Pratt is such a good quarterback. We saw him a couple years ago when Army went down there, and I think he was a freshman. And now it's like he's an experienced quarterback, and you're really seeing him play. He's 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 so good. Underrated. Yep. Yeah, he's a grown man. And you've got uh, Arizona and Arizona State. That one's uh, like I used to care, but I don't. You know. Now you've got uh, NC State, North Carolina. Would have been a much more exciting matchup had both of those teams won, but they were sleepwalking this past week, and and both of them got caught, which is a shame because I think North Carolina had a a legitimate argument. So, like, if North Carolina, as 10-1, beats Clemson in the the ACC championship, that states your case for the playoff. It really does. You know, hey, we beat a former national champion. We're conference champion. You know, give it. You know, give us our uh, give us our opportunity, and I don't think it's going to happen now because of that. Uh, you got the Battle of California, so you got UCLA and Cal at four thirty on Fox. Eh, that I think that'll be a good game. Again, UCLA is the much better team, but again, it's a rivalry, so California will probably pay them tough for a half, maybe three quarters. But I think uh, U- UCLA's talent will just overcome them in the end. Florida and Florida State. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Like, that used to be one of the premier games of Thanksgiving weekend for about 20, 25 years. And, like, I can legitimately remember programming in the CBS radio station on a PRC 126 in Ranger School and listening to Florida, Florida State in the patrol base. And I did not get caught and didn't get a major minus for it, but it's definitely one of those things that, like, you could legitimately listen to FM versions of football games we listen to that in in the patrol base and and because that game used to be so exciting right like that was one of those games shine coming off the apple yeah Mm. yeah Yeah. i mean that used to be when bowden was there and urban weasel was coaching i'm sorry that's what i call urban meyer but uh that was one hell of a rivalry yeah i mean that was that was one of those games that like if if you were a college football fan you stopped what you were doing you, you checked in on that game at the minimum, but most people watched it because it was such a big part of college football. Yeah. And this is just and, – and, like, Florida, Florida State basically is your, your capper for uh, 
primetime games on Thursday night. And then you've got Wyoming and Fresno State at 10 o'clock on FS1. Uh, they did say something over this past weekend that made me chuckle. So they start calling it the Pac-10, their Pac-12 after dark, which is uh, what they're calling all those late games on Saturday <laughs> night. Which was like, okay, I can respect that. I'll give you a little hat nod for that one because that was a pretty good way of articulating it. Hey, so starting on Saturday, noon kicks. Like this is going to be a wild one. So if you have the ability to stream multiple channels, you probably need to do so because this is going to be all over the place on Saturday. Uh, one of the first kicks is West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Like, who cares, except for some people in the Big 12. That's not the biggest game out there, but it's definitely a, a good one. You got Coastal and James Madison on ESPNU. Grayson McCall back yet? Do we know? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't think he is because uh, James Madison is given like five points, and I can't imagine if McCall was in there that, that JMU would be favored. But yeah, no. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably yeah. a, a fair Fair assessment. You got ODU and South right. Alabama. Yeah, ODU and South Alabama. That's going to be a good game, man. Old Dominion is good. South Alabama is good. Like if if you're a Sun Belt fan, and yeah. if you're not a Sun Belt fan, you know this is a, this isn't a tough one to decide which one you're going to put on the TV though, because like when we get to these next three featured games that are coming up, there's no way that like I'm going to be watching anything else. So you got Michigan and Ohio State on Fox at noon. You've got Army and UMass on ESPN Plus. So go ahead and get that subscription <laughs> or, or warm up or warm up that Disney that Disney Plus bundle package. You probably get a better discount if you get Hulu, ESPN Plus, and uh, Disney Plus. And it's just in time for Christmas, so you might as well jump you on. You guys now. play on what? You play on Disney? Sounds intimidating. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty much it because it's like Mickey Mouse, uh, Mickey Mouse football sometimes. But uh, you got Amen. Georgia Tech, yeah, you got Georgia Tech and Georgia. I, I mean, that one's that one's mildly interesting, but uh, I will I will be checking in on that one. I won't watch it. But South Carolina at Clemson, based off that's of a game, did, that's a game. Yeah, based off of what they did last week to Tennessee, like you got to watch that game. I think that one's one that that will be on my television for sure. Uh, Early afternoon kicks, not nothing really interesting there unless you're a North Texas or Troy fan. I think Troy and Arkansas State might be a decent game, be a halfway decent contest, but it's not, you know, to the, the elevation of me wanting to change the channel just yet. Then you've got the, the Iron Bowl. This one's going to be interesting because the Iron Bowl, it's been, well, what were nine years or 10 years since the kick six? And Bama is kind of in that same position as they were going into this game. The only difference is at Bryant-Denny Stadium. So that helps Bama uh, significantly because it's a home game. Because I don't know if you've ever seen a game at Jordan-Hare Stadium. It's not Jordan-Hare. It's Jordan-Hare. That's how they say it down there, country people. But uh, at Jordan-Hare Stadium, it gets pretty wild down there. And, like, a football game in Auburn is bonkers and like if crazy. You've never seen, yeah and like tombs corner and all that other stuff down there like yep. that is some good college football tradition so if you ever get a chance to go see a game at auburn go watch it particularly an iron bowl i don't know i think the tickets are like two thousand dollars for like <laughs> nosebleed seats yeah. but uh i think this is going to be a better contest than advertised just because i think the line's like plus 22 for 22 auburn. and a half yeah, yeah i don't think i don't think that's going to hold up to be honest i think i think auburn has the team plus you got Cadillac Williams coaching, so he doesn't have to he doesn't have to hype the team up. Like he can talk from his experience playing in the Iron Bowl in college, and it's not it's not a coaching thing. It's just just relating to your players. Like hey, look, this is how this game is going to feel. So I think it's going to be a, a much better contest. Hey, I put this one on here just because the spoiler makers in Indiana are playing, and so like Purdue has a chance, believe it or not, to win the West. In wow! The most lopsided conference. <laughs> oh my goodness! In the world. Yeah, like they legitimately because there's like a, there's like a three way tie last weekend, and I didn't check to see all the fallout of the games. But if Purdue wins out, they legitimately can be in you know the Big Ten championship, which is which is interesting, but it's also even more interesting depending upon the results of the game this weekend. Because if yeah. you look at the one team that can ruin somebody's season in the Big Ten. <laughs> Again, I will put my spoiler makers jersey on and I will give them the nod because <laughs> Purdue will sneak up on you and, and, and get you. Like they 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 have done it on more than one occasion. Yeah, I was driving by the location where the Big Ten championship is gonna be played last night at about eight o'clock when I went through Columbus, because that's the Big Ten championship. It's being played on Saturday. That's how I feel, because either one of those teams will crush Purdue. 
it won't be yeah. it won't be fun for Purdue. Yeah, I, I think I think that's that, that that's going to be interesting. Like I I think with conference realignment, they probably need to make some adjustments within the Big Ten just to balance it out, particularly with the you two new teams coming in. And UCLA need to go yeah. there. Yeah, with those guys coming in. West. They've got to do something. They've got to do something to shore up that part of the conference because, again, like you know that, like, hey, if I'm watching Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan, like those games are going to be good, whoever they're playing. But then when I get to the other side, it's like, eh, well, Purdue. You know, it's kind of how right. most people feel. Not and, much and, opposition. Yeah, so it just it makes it more interesting. But moving on, we'll go to the four o'clock games, and the biggest kick at four o'clock is going to be Iowa State and TCU. Not for the fact of anything that Iowa State is doing; it's just to see if TCU can can finish. You know, finish up their season and move on to the Big 12 championship legitimately. You got Michigan State at Penn State. I think this one's going to be a beatdown the way that Penn State's been playing the last few weeks. Michigan State's going to take another L in a very, very bad way. Uh, And old Mel Tucker won't go to a bowl game. Oh, bumskies. Yeah. But I don't think anybody really likes those guys anyway. Uh, You've got UCF and USF, you know, the battle for for Florida. I don't know how well that's going to go. Uh, you got LSU and Texas A&M again. A&M is bad this season. I mean, mm-hmm. let, yeah. let let's let's just be real. Like you spent all that money to lose, you know, and and it's bad enough that Bama is nine and two. But if you look at Texas A&M's record, it just goes to show you that name, image, and likeness does not equal parity. And so that is a big thing. And everybody was complaining about you know all the moves that uh, A&M was making in the off season. They're about to they're about to get beat down by LSU. Like LSU is going to take those kids out to the woodshed, and I, you know, the the A and M is probably going to get dropped, and they're just going to be T. You know, they're just going to beat the crap out of it. It's going to be bad. Uh, beat but, the letters uh, off you. Yeah, so you're going to have Syracuse and Boston College. That's probably going to be a better game than advertised because BC is playing pretty decent, but they're nicked up. They got smacked hard by uh, Notre Dame last week, and then you got Notre Dame and USC. That's your seven thirty game which will be awesome. That's prime time on ABC. Got Tennessee and Vanderbilt. That's not a game. No, I I mean. That's not a game. Unless you're a Tennessee fan, nobody's watching that game. Come on. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to check in to see how the offense runs without hitting Hooker. I mean, that's really really the honest. That's a viewpoint for that one. You got Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Again, that was like interesting five years ago. Then you've got Kansas and Kansas State in the Sunflower Showdown. And I am specifically highlighting that game because one of the guys that I have bumped into several times uh, works. And he has a tie to West Point, too, which is kind of cool because they have some of their product on the campus. And they do uh, virtual training uh, training suites. And so, Jeff from Overmatch, if you're listening, I just wanted to give you a quick shout-out because uh, he actually listens to the show. He, he found us uh, uh, on social media and then has been listening, so I appreciate uh, him being part of our audience. You got uh, Pitt, Miami, Arizona, and San Diego, or Air Force and San Diego State, Oregon, Oregon State. Again, that that matchup is mildly interesting just for the result to see what happens with Oregon to see if they can keep it together. You got UW and Washington State. Nobody cares about that one except for the people in Washington and <laughs> Utah and Colorado. Uh, unfortunately, the Buffaloes are going to take another beat down. Like. Colorado is playing about as bad as they were after they got the sanctions in the nineties and they got to figure out a way to turn that program around. Cause they have had one really decent season. And that was 2016 that they kind of held it together at the beginning of the season. And then it all fell apart, but that is a lot of games covered this weekend. I'm going to catch my breath real quick. Dan, we'll pass it over to you and let's pick some games. Weekly Locks. Yeah, man. Uh, I went one and two last week. I took Army and UConn uh, to go under, and that game went way over. Uh, I took UTSA and Rice to go over, and they went way under. Roadrunners did their part, but Rice only scored seven. And Syracuse lost but covered the spread when it was ten and a half. Unfortunately, by the time I put my pick in for the Cruiserweight belt, it had dropped to ten. So uh, I took the push there. Anyway. Uh, on we go. I, if you're curious, I am 500 uh, on the season right now. Uh, so I took Tulane plus two and a half at Cincy. As we said, I think Tulane might have the better team. Uh, definitely think they got the better quarterback. Um, I took Troy at Arkansas State to go under 47. 47 is not really a lot of points, but Troy's all defense and Arkansas State is terrible. And finally, Iowa State at TCU over 47 and a half. 
again, um, I understand Iowa State's mostly a defensive team, but 47 and a half is not really a lot of points. That's fair. Joe, how about you? Oh, man, I went uh, two and two last week. Uh, Michigan under um, hit and then uh, TCU won but didn't cover. UCF made me look stupid and Tulane smash. That was an absolute beatdown they put on SMU. So I'm riding the green wave, man. I'm taking them plus two at Cincinnati. Um, I, I really do think um, – I think Cincinnati's kind of – I don't really think they they believe they can win this game, if that makes sense. I think Tulane is just very confident. They're playing really good football. Uh, they smashed SMU, and if you like football math, SMU gave Cincinnati a really good game. So – you know, football math doesn't always work out, but I'm just saying, I think Tulane's the hotter team and they're getting two points. Give it to me. I like it. Um, and then I, I like K-State minus 11 and a half. I like them to destroy Kansas. Um, they're really hot right now. They just beat a much better West Virginia team on the road by 17. So I like them to win that game by two scores. And um, I like Ole Miss to kind of put a, put a cherry on top of a decent season and take care of Mississippi state at home. Minus two. Um, I'll take minus two. I like them to win by a field goal. Um, and I want to go. Man. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it, but um, I'm going to take USC minus five and a half against Notre Dame. I think they wow. win. By a touchdown. Wow. Yeah, I think, I think they win by a touchdown against Notre Dame in a very good game. So that could be the one I look, that could be one of my L's for, next week but uh, i just got a feeling and uh i'm plus nine for the season so pretty good pretty good season if uh i didn't i didn't really enter for the cruiserweight belt because i didn't didn't get in on time so i didn't think it was fair when i went on that serious run to be like hey boys i'm here and i'm plus ten <laughs> uh, so i just been counting to myself and you know next season we'll get in and uh i'll, I'll get in the fray with you guys but yeah I'm plus nine on my picks so feeling pretty good about those and uh that's what i got so i got USC minus five and a half against Notre Dame. Kansas State at minus 11 and a half at home. Tulane plus two on the road to Cincinnati. And Ole Miss minus two against Mississippi State at home. Um, Louisville is getting three points also. And I Louisville's playing really good football right now. I think they bumped into the top 25 on ESPN. And uh, I'm not going to call it a pick, but I think that's a strong one if people like it. And I'll give you another one that I just feel, but I'm not betting because my heart's in this game. I think Michigan-Ohio State actually goes under 56. I think it's going to be much more defense. Um, I think this game won't really open up until the second half. Yeah, I think think that's fair. Yeah, if there's a first-half parlay on that one, on an over-under, I would probably look at that one too, because I think the the under is going to be pretty low. I think it'll be like, you know, 17-14 or something at halftime, and then whoever's going to break away will break away after half. I think that's that's a pretty fair assessment, and it's a bold pick with USC and at five and a half against Notre Dame. However, Notre Dame has struggled in the in those big showcase matchups, right? And, and I mean that that's just been the way that it is. Like, yeah, you you beat down Boston College, you barely escaped Navy. Now you're playing against USC, which is you know hands down, even from the eye test and statistically, they are the best team in the Pac-12. And so yeah. I think that's that that's pretty reasonable. And I think they're, I think they're gonna, they're gonna take Notre Dame for a ride. You know, could be wrong. I went two and one uh, last week, and again, I think UCF made up fools of a lot of people. You know, I'm plus six in the in the cruiserweight championship, so I am above the line, but barely. <laughs> but but then when I look at the rest of the crowd, you know, there's we're kind of busting the curve because there's some guys that uh, probably yeah. need to either like. Don't bet on the color of the jersey, or if your wife thinks their color is cool, because uh, that's not a way to that's not a way to win. <laughs> I came from negative six to be a plus two uh, on the cruiserweight belt. I, I just got to go, you know, eight and zero, oh, and I'll take that. I'll keep that thing in the trophy case. Yeah, so you got to you got to win it. You may may want to start scraping some of Joe's picks. <laughs> Y'all need to start. My little girl picked a sixteen parlay based on the mascots one time. Nice. Thank God, she thought horned frogs were cool. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair, fair point. Fair point. Take that, but, Vegas. Uh, no. I'm yeah. <laughs> no. I went two and one last week. Of course, UCF didn't cover against Navy, and it pisses me off. So you know, Navy pulls off a great win against UCF, and then they 
create a great loss by picking NASA as their uh, Army Navy uniforms. <laughs> I hit on o- OSU and Maryland over 65. I knew that was coming. That's just the trend for that game. Those guys put up a lot of points. I think it was 77 was the final total for that one. And then I had uh, Louisville to cover minus four. They actually won big. I think that was purely a trap game for NC State. They were looking ahead like, hey, we're going we're gonna to bump off UNC and mess up their opportunity at the ACC championship or you know mess up their season or post the opportunity and uh, they got caught. And, and both Georgia of, Tech said, don't worry, boys, we'll do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we got your back, you know, and so they took care of them. But uh, this week, my picks are uh, UNC and NC State to go under 56. I think uh, Drake May is not going to be as good as he was last week. I think it's going to be in his head a little bit. You took a loss, and I would be surprised if he plays the whole game just because they know that they've got Clemson the following week. So it makes it kind of tough to really get ready for this game because what does the rest of your season look like? Because you've got a conference championship, and then in order for you to have, you know, in order for you to have a remote chance to get into the playoff, is you've got to run the table. So you've got to win and keep people healthy. So I think if if UNC gets up early on NC State, they'll probably pull their starters just to keep uh, keep them healthy and fresh. If they score, you know, and the other piece of it is is like NC State hasn't scored twenty points in like the last three weeks. And they got smashed by Louisville. So looking at the way that they're playing, I think, you know, Drake may, you know, UNC will probably score 35, but uh, NC State won't bring the rest of it. So I think Drake may will probably throw two to three touchdowns this game if if he's lucky. But uh, I think he'll get pulled probably midway through the, the second half, if not earlier than that. I would say take you take Southern Southern uh, South Carolina to cover 14 and a half against Clemson. Clemson is good. Oh yeah, uh, they've like been playing that. decent ball. Yeah, but freaking Spencer Rattler, man! Like if you did not watch that Tennessee game, go back and watch the highlights. It was, that was fire. That, it was on fire. Still crazy. a five star. Like, Guys, still that, five star fellas. That dude looked every bit of the quarterback that he is recruited to be. Right. Exactly. And that, that's the thing. Yep. Like that. Like I, I have, I have yet to see a performance out of somebody like that in the transfer portal. Probably the closest dude to that was, uh, guy, Baker Mayfield. You know, after he transfers and just shows up and like blows everybody away. I think that is like that. To put it in co- contemporary lexicon, that was like Baker Mayfield esque performance, like Texas Tech, Oklahoma type. Uh, six. I think that's legit. I think if it comes down to to, to quarterbacks battling out. Uh, USC actually has a better quarterback. I think Spencer Radler is much, much better than Clemson's QB. So if the defenses are playing tight, I think USC has a better chance of winning this game just because playmakers calling signals for the for the team. Yeah. Again, I kind of noted this one a little bit earlier. Auburn to cover 22 at the Iron Bowl. It's the Iron Bowl, guys. Like, who gives Bama that many points in the damn Iron Bowl? It doesn't make any sense. It's like Vegas is teasing that one. I'm taking it because I know that Auburn is going to cover that spread. The way that Bama has been playing this season, they've been struggling against teams that they're supposed to beat, and it's your in-state rivalry. And again, this goes way, way deeper than just a football game. And I'm definitely going to be like checking out social media to watch the freaking craziness at at Tombs Corner and all that other stuff after uh, Auburn upsets Alabama. In the Iron Ooh. Bowl, I think I, I, it's a bold choice, and that's a, that's a deep cut. But I think they will because they're due. I mean, like, <laughs> Emma's <laughs> yeah. Oh crazy. man, you're I'm out of your mind. Out. You are out. Of, there's no way they might cover 22, but they're not going to win that game. Look, Bama has not looked good since they lost to Tennessee. They edged Old Miss, and let's face it, like Austin P is not the team that you you want to play against, right? It, it, we know that. Uh, I just, I just think Auburn has a secret, right. and Bama's about to find out. Right. <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of my thought on it. But uh, as you guys hear, my dogs having rivalries with the neighbors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about uh, what other rivalries we enjoy watching, other than the usual ones. I think all of us kind of sit in there on, on the, uh, the college football spectrum. And if you're a true follow- college football fan, there's more than one rivalry game that you like to watch. We'll pass it over. Oh, to I Dan. got one. Yeah, I, I've got I got two that that you probably don't watch a lot. And uh, the first is the war on I four uh, USF and UCF. Uh, when that thing is good, man, it's awesome. And uh, you know, South Florida has been a while since they've been good, but they tend to give Central Florida a game. 
They might give them a game this week, too. I don't know what the psychology is going to be for the Knights coming off the loss at home to Navy. And my other uh, my other one is the Ram-Falcon trophy game, Air Force versus Colorado State. They usually play that game oh, yeah. on Thanksgiving. Freaking Zoomy grads didn't like that, so they moved it to last weekend, which sucks because, you know, the NFL games on Thanksgiving always suck. Like, they, yeah. inevitably, one team is up 35-7. to seven. And so I I almost always watch that Ram Falcon Trophy game while I'm cooking my turkey outside, and it's just yeah, it's it's just it's a bummer that it's not on there this year. And uh, you know, Air Force yeah, wants to eat their Air Force wants to eat their turkey, the fatties. <laughs> <laughs> and then my two obvious ones: Georgia, Georgia Tech, back when that was a game, and uh, the Iron Bowl. How can you not love the Iron Bowl? That's a great game. Yeah, truly classic. Joe, how about you? Oh, I got I got a great one. You know, living in Charlotte. Uh, it's you know you're right there by South Carolina, and I can tell you South Carolina and Clemson is a serious rivalry game for the locals. Man, I'm I'm dead. I've seen bar fights almost start over those two teams. Um, so that's going to be solid to see South Carolina playing hot against Clemson. I think that's going to be a slobber knocker, and uh, I know SC fans want this one bad. They love to love to give it to Clemson fans because Clemson's been able to talk trash for the last ten years. So. I'm going to definitely be checking that one out. I like your pick on it. Um, and then, you know, we talk about the shine coming off the Apple. How about the shine coming back on the Notre Dame-USC rivalry? Those two teams hate each other. That's yeah, they call them Notre Shame. That's what USC calls them. They, they said the two teams you don't want to lose to are UCL fake and Notre Shame. And that came from uh, who played with Reggie Bush, the other running back, went to the NFL. Oh, Lindale White. USC. Yep, Lendo White said that on the documentary about the Texas-USC game, which was one of the greatest college football games of all time. Um, but he said the two teams you don't want to lose to are Notre Dame and UCL fake. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's going to be great to see that rivalry renewed uh, with two, in my mind, top 10 football teams. I know Notre Dame's 13th, but they're hot right now. And then, um, oh, my goodness. I, You know, I know you said don't pick the – don't pick the ones that are the obvious ones, but man, I bleed maize and blue. And Colonel Rob, I love you 364 days a year, but on Saturday for three hours, you are my sworn enemy. Um, I know you're going to be pulling for the Buckeyes. I say it to my be- one of my best friends every year because he's a Buckeye fan. Uh, but oh, so much, impl- so many implications. Yeah, catch a, catch an L and your season's over. You get a good bowl game. Yeah, win and you could possibly play four more. You know, it, yeah. it's uh, so much riding on it. And I'm not going to say who I like. I'm not going to put negative vibes out there. But um, I'm praying that Michigan can figure out their problems on offense. Because if not, oof, they, yeah. Ohio State can turn it to a track meet. There's an NFL starting offense coming up against them. So um, going to be a tough task for the Wolverines right now. We're dinged up also very badly on offense. And we might have just lost Blake Corum. So if we lost him his backup's out for the season. So we'll be starting a true freshman at running back that nobody knows about. So Michigan could be in a lot of trouble. So keep your eyes on that one, boys, on the injury report, because I know Buckeye fans will take minus seven and a half if Michigan can't start their only Heisman hopeful. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm pulling for my boys, but, yeah, they're they're up against it this week. It's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I kind of view – that game very very much like the usc and clemson game right so if it comes down to quarterback on quarterback like everybody else is executing evenly you've got cj stroud versus jj mccarthy not even close not even close and so when you look at it from that perspective it it, it, that's like that's the game but within the game right which quarterback is for six on any pass over 15 yards he missed three touchdowns and we barely beat illinois this kid hasn't hit a deep ball in a month, and I've watched him aggressively. Yeah, Every yeah. time he throws downfield, it goes high or long. He's he's rattled. He's a true freshman, or he's a well, I think he's a redshirt freshman, and he is rattled, and it shows. And uh, I'm praying for him this week because he's about yeah, to go yeah. against a nasty defense. Well, and, and I mean, look at it this way: on his on his best day, JJ McCarthy has a third of the starts that CJ Stroud does, and so like exactly. that. That, that that's the math on it. And so so from a from an experience perspective, advantage Ohio State. Defensively, I think it's a push. I think both of their defenses are about the same. And then, you know, it it is what it is. I think the game is going to be pretty exciting. 
Hopefully it doesn't go into overtime because I don't want to have to like be bouncing back and forth from too many games. I want them to go <laughs> and be final so I don't have yeah. like so I'm not crying in my mashed potatoes on uh, on Saturday afternoon. So for me, of course, we already talked about the Iron Bowl. I think there's there's something about that. The kick six is like college football history. So if you don't know that, YouTube it. It's on uh, it's on the YouTubes now, so you can watch that one. But I think that was one of the single most impressive special teams play probably in the history of football, let exactly. alone in college football. So that one's a great rivalry. Uh, I think it's a little bit better when they play in uh, Auburn just because it's more centrally located. And as a military person, like it's pretty cool. Cause it's like right outside of Fort Benning, Fort Rucker, there's a yep. whole bunch of military bases there that kind of descend. So you can also tailgate with a whole bunch of veterans at the iron bowl. If it's in Auburn. Uh, but you know, for me, this one's like a very, very hidden gem. And this is part of the things that, that hacks me about the conference realignment and all these changes that happen. So the Rocky mountain showdown and the backyard brawl are two of my most favorite, uh, college football contests that are rivalry games. And unfortunately, now they've been rele- relegated to the first two weeks of the respective seasons for those teams. So you got West Virginia and Pitt. They mm. play at the beginning of the year now. Yeah, week one this like, year. Yeah, and if you watch that game, it was incredible. Now imagine moving that, that game to week 13, right? Huge. And I think it puts a lot of eyeballs on the team. And I think if you do it later in the season – you get more out of it. It was an exciting game. Like, make no mistake, it was a much more exciting game at the beginning of the season, but it really kind of takes the air out of it because it's like week one of the college football season. And that's the same thing like like Colorado and Colorado State. I grew up watching Darian Hagan. I was a big-time Colorado fan in high school and, you know, the early parts of college. And after those death blow sanctions that they got in the 90s, like the, the rivalry kind of went away just because Colorado State was able to recruit and Colorado could not. And then when they did the conference realignment again, you take a game that's great showcase featured game on a night game on a, you know, Saturday night at nine o'clock on, you know, whatever respective channel and you move it to week one or week two of the college football season. Both of these teams, you know, they're not as prepared. They're not in midseason form. So you're missing out on a great rivalry game that has the potential to be great because of conference realignment. Mm. But, uh, yeah, that, like that's uh, my two big ones. So, of course, Rocky Mountain Showdown, Backyard Brawl, and, of course, the Iron Bowl. I think those are great. Hey, guys, it is rivalry week. Like, you've got a rivalry this weekend, championship weekend the following weekend, and then Army-Navy, and then we start talking about bowl games. And I think the bowl games are going to be interesting this year because, uh, you know, James on As for Football does quite a bit of uh, analysis, and so there's – 82 bowl games and there's like 78 eligible teams with four to six more that could be eligible. And so there's going to be some fallout at the end of the season based off of who doesn't get the nod. You know, the only thing that may help some of these teams is some of the guys that have uh, college football bowl tie-ins don't have the records to go to those bowls. And so that may help out some of those guys, but like if you're a Liberty or a UConn and you're an independent and you definitely don't have a college football bowl tie-in, your season might be over. And that would be a shame, particularly for, for UConn based off of the improvement that they've had over the, over the last year. But uh, it's going to be interesting on how this all falls out. But anyway, I'll give you guys the last word. Uh, what's, your, what's your main dish for Thanksgiving? Are you guys turkey or ham guys? And uh, <laughs> we'll wrap the show. <laughs> Dan, right. what are you guys? Yeah, man. Turkey smoked on the grill. Be outside all day. Nice. Joe, what about you? Uh, uh, it's either deep fried turkey or honey baked ham, but I, but I'll go either way. And, and sometimes I've been known to do both. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing. I like to weigh doing... myself Thanksgiving morning and then weigh myself again at night to see how I've achieved, well, how much I've achieved. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We're 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 probably gonna knock off the turkey. So we usually do. We're doing a roasting whole chicken this year, just because like turkey is cool, but like, I don't want to eat like 14 pounds of turkey for the next three weeks, mm-hmm. just to be completely honest. However, Hey, check it out. Y'all it's week 13 rivalries. We're going to see some people get their, their seasons ended. There's going to be some feelings hurt and thank God there's Turkey to kind of offset that, uh, that loss. So if you're feeling down at halftime, go ahead and grab yourself a, a big old slice of those leftovers and let the trip to fan take you to <laughs> nap time. Cause at least you can have a dream that your team won if they're losing at halftime. But anyway, I'm Rob, the Angry Colonel, out of Fayetteville. We've got 11-0, Trigger Joe, coming out of the home of the big house. 
And we got Dano Ikebesa out of Coastal Connecticut. This is Two O's and an NCO, Ring Knocker Radio, and we will talk to you guys next time. Beat UMass. Beat them. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. BuyerBarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to BuyerBarn.com forward slash military. That's BuyerBarn.com, B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at BuyerBarn.com. Thanks again for listening to Ask for Football College Football Roundtable and as always, Beat Navy.